1: Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponko Chicken. Ponko Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, there are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now. There's one in Buckhead. There's one in Chamblee. There's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponko is awesome and uh, they're like family, so um go check out Ponko if you have not already. It is the home of the award winning Japanese American chicken tender, just to brag on them a little bit more. They were Verizon Super Bowl Live top selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta Award winner, um, Midtown Alliance Best Taste winner. Just they won all the awards because Ponko is great and Ponko is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, Go check out Ponco Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also, if you have not already, go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com. It's where all of my episodes to all of my podcasts are, all of my writing that I do, uh, more information on me and who I am um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, It helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, You can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play, everywhere where you can get your podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast will be there. So go do that today. Um, all right. I think that's everything. We can get into today's episode. Uncle Darren. Let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, <laughs> my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate I already hate it. I hate it. Alright, welcome to a Wednesday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Another Atlanta guy, line. never talked to him uh, before, but I've been listening to him for years and years, from the starters, the Basketball Jones, now no dunks, it's Trey Kirby. Trey, good afternoon, how are you?
0: Hey, you having a great time, beautiful day in Atlanta, you love to see it.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it's been uh, terrible. Uh, for weeks now it's just I feel like it's rained at least a little bit every day this winter
0: that's exactly what it feels like any day that I wake up and actually see the sun in the sky no it's gonna be a good one
1: Um, well so the NBA we are um, closing in on the midway point the trade deadline we've really gotten to the point where we know basically who's gonna make the playoffs in the east the West, a little bit uncertain in the bottom half. Uh, well, let see. And I'm going to ask you about the Grizzlies in a little bit. But um, for me, I still think the most interesting development that we've kind of moved on from is that the Lakers are just awesome. And this was going to always be the case and things like that. How surprised are you at this point at how seamless the Lakers transitioned from not playoff team a year ago to just adding Anthony Davis and all these different role players um, has worked out, um, at least in the regular season?
0: I'm a little surprised, to be honest, because coming into the season, I kind of just assumed that the Lakers would play things the way the Clippers have played things so far. They brought in a couple of huge new pieces. Now their team, their support players are a little bit more uh, ingrained in the Clippers. And as we've seen so far, they have been happy to kind of just play out the season, figuring things out, resting guys at times in hopes that they will be ready to peak come playoff time. I thought the Lakers would do the same thing. We've seen LeBron be very careful with his body throughout the years. We know Anthony Davis has had uh, seasons where he has missed a big chunk of time due to injury. So I kind of just assumed that both LeBron and AD would be resting, would be saving themselves for may and june but that hasn't been the case at all they've come out and looked incredibly focused they've looked like they wanted to win every single game that they've played in so far this season and the role players have really gelled around lebron and ad super quick that doesn't always happen in a super team situation you know we've seen multiple times whether it was when lebron went to miami or when he came back to cleveland It took a little bit to get things figured out, but this season they have been full bore trying to win the one seed in the Western Conference. And for me, they have been, I mean, maybe it's the Bucs, but at least with the level of competition, I would put the Lakers as the best team in the league so far, which isn't great for those of us who picked the Clippers to win the championship in the preseason.
1: I'm not worried. I still think the Clippers are winning it all. Like, I would be worried if Kawhi and Paul George were dealing with injury stuff that I was concerned about come playoff time. I don't really know what's going on with the Shamit stuff. And certain, they're still figuring stuff out with their rotation and who's going to be their closing five and stuff like that. But I'm I'm not wavering uh, for my Clippers are winning it all again, uh, Take Stay with me, Trey. We're We're going to be fine.
0: Yeah, I'm most likely sticking with the Clippers because I assume that now that we're happening or hitting the second half of the season, they're going to be putting it into full gear a little bit more, really ironing out their rotations, figuring out exactly their roles and hopefully playing some more with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in the lineup together, hooping. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, the Clippers what, seem to and four, be defending played? a title that they haven't won yet so far. What's that?
1: I think they're 14-4 and four with both of them playing. They really haven't played that much, but when they have played on the floor at the same time, it's it's fine. They're also undefeated against the Lakers.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's the big thing is that there's no doubt that especially Kawhi Leonard can elevate his game on the drop of a hat. He will be ready for the playoffs, no doubt about it, because like you're saying, they show up and they destroy these top teams that they're playing and are obviously undefeated against the Lakers, but I would like to see them take care of the bad teams. That to me is the mark of a great team, a team that wants to go out there and crush the inferior competition, not just show up for the big games. That's what you do when you're trying to win title number three, not title number one. This is the Clippers here. They need to put some wins together and look like a top team. I know that they're going to be great. They're probably still going to come out of the Western Conference, but I would like to be a little bit more inspired by the other LA teams
1: in the east um the sixers right now they're they don't even have home court uh, a lot of people had to miss their preseason um eastern conference champs things are not bad i wrote about them uh, earlier this week things are not bad and if you look at certain lineups like they're they're fine like they're just not great <laughs> they're there's just something missing and obviously they know because they're targeting everybody they're targeting just every wing that might be available, the Sixers are making calls because they've realized... Um, and this isn't their fault. They can't force Jimmy to stay. That's they, got, they did the best they could do. Josh Richardson still was a really nice haul for Jimmy Butler, but he's still not Jimmy Butler. Um, L.A. Tobias has not returned. And um, the Al Horford and beat stuff is just... It was an interesting experiment, but it's probably not going to um, work out long term. But I... I think they're interesting because they still have the most upside depending on what they can do. And they also have the kind of contracts that they can move for certain guys. Um, DeRozan just got player of the week. Um, he's playing better as of late. Then you have CJ McCollum because the Blazers, if the playoffs started today, the Blazers would not be in the playoffs. And CJ McCollum is always uh, linked to all kinds of trade stuff, but he can't be traded until January 30th. I still think that's like the biggest fish they can go after who would make the most sense. Um, and that would probably swing the East for me, is if they could, depending on what they would have to give up for um, McCollum. But it does seem like they're just one wing away from really getting back to that zone, or are you still optimistic the Sixers can figure it out with what they have?
0: I think another wing would help. There's no doubt about it. Just to have a little bit more playmaking, a little bit more shooting, somebody that you can turn to when, you know, Simmons isn't aggressive to the lane or when Josh Richardson doesn't have it going, or when Tobias Harris doesn't have it going. Another player would no doubt help in, uh, in, in the grand scheme of things. But to me, both Richardson and Harris need to be a little bit better. They need to be a little bit more aggressive. You see in the games that the Sixers have been playing with Embiid on the bench, both Richardson and Harris seem so much more empowered, seem so much more, in tune with the game, knowing where their shots are going to come from, knowing that they can be aggressive without a huge guy in the middle who requires a bunch of touches. I think even Al Horford has kind of taken too much of a backseat. I would like to see MB, I would like to see Richardson, Harris, and Al Horford all just go out there and try and score a whole bunch of points. you know they're all great offensive players that are just trying to figure out where they fit in an ecosystem where two guys and Embiid and Simmons are not an ideal fit. But we saw last year the Sixers finished with a top-ten offense with Embiid and Simmons playing the majority of the season. A top-ten offense is somewhere in there. Harris and Richardson both taking about five threes a game. They could get up to eight or nine, if you ask me. I would like to see those two guys be the the playmakers and the shooters that the Sixers really need. They have done a good job trying to find out where they fit in this team, but you just need to get more from those guys since they're kind of going to be filling the role that Jimmy Butler had last season they need somebody to step into that role and just kind of take over when the time is right
1: how do you view Andre Drummond right now
0: to me Andre Drummond is the nice guy version of Hassan Whiteside he's going to be put up Uh some monster numbers he's Uh the best rebounder in the game but he also gets kind of mad at his teammates you've seen since Blake Griffin uh, went to the bench with surgery and he's going to be out that Drummond is a little bit checked out of the Pistons season. I think you're seeing guards blow by the perimeter defenders on the Pistons. And Drummond is there in the lane. He could be challenging the shot, but there's no reason to pick up six fouls in the first half. So he just has to kind of let the guy go to the hoop and then glare at his teammate. I just think he is ready to be done with Detroit. Put him on a contending team for the first time in the season. And maybe he's re-energized because he's a talented guy. He can make some plays. He defends the rim probably the best rebounder in the game, one of the best that we've ever seen. He's just, uh, I think he's bored in Detroit. So let's see him on another team, and I I will be a little bit kinder than calling him the nice guy, Hassan Whiteside.
1: So where do you want him to go? If you had to pick where Drummond eventually gets traded to, where would you like to see him? Where does he move the needle for you?
0: I think Toronto would be great. I mean, I think that that's a Mm. massive add for them to, to go from a Marcus to Andre Drummond. Marcus All was instrumental in the championship last year, but, you know, Drummond would definitely help clean up on the glass and still help at the rim while being a little bit younger, which maybe then is another piece that the Raptors can build around going forward with Pascal Siakam. He could also be great in Boston. Anybody that needs a big guy who gobbles up rebounds and who can defend the rim, that's the team that needs him. They are obviously, is talk about Drummond coming to the Hawks, which would be great. He would be a nice fit next to Trey Young, but I think that that's kind of jumping the gun for Atlanta. They don't need to be great this season. They don't need to be great next season. They don't even necessarily need to be acquiring these huge contracts going forward. Just play it slow. You're going to be good eventually. It's not going to come from adding a guy like Andre Drummond. I think that limits your ceiling for Atlanta, so I would prefer to see Drummond on a team where he's contending, where we can really see how he contributes to a winning team.
1: I, um, the Atlanta stuff's interesting because I think uh, obviously they are having an awful season. They haven't, uh, they're worse in the East, but a lot of it is not because they're young players. Young players are all playing pretty good for the most part. If you excuse Cam Reddish's offensive game, like they're, they're fine. Like Collins Herter is now healthy. Trey young is great, but Deandre Hunter playing really well, but, all of the veterans that Travis link brought in have all just been awful. Like everything around the young guys have been terrible. And that's the reason that they're as bad as they are. It's kind of like the blazers where like their main guys are good. It's just the bench and everything else has just been an absolute dumpster fire that it just kills the rest of their guys. They can count on. Um, I, I think they still need veterans of some kind. And when you're like, they don't have to be good, and they're not going to be good this year, next year, but they still need more competent veterans. Like, Alex Lynn's just not a starting five in today's NBA. Like, they need veterans who can actually play. Like, Vince Carter quietly has just been awful. And it's finally happened. He's 83 years old. So, this is something that was going to eventually happen. But you, I, I think they've done a disservice to a lot of those young guys by not getting um, competent uh, veterans. You don't need to maybe swing for the fences, but they also have an insane amount of cap space they have two max slots this summer in a free agency time period where there's no one good available and i i don't know i think they have to make some sort of um trade where they bring in some really nice salary and stuff like that but i they're in a weird bind and i think the hawks have to be uh active in acquiring veterans who can actually play winning basketball right now
0: yeah, it's uh, it's pretty tough when the veterans on your team are guys like Jabari Parker, Alan Crabb, Chandler Parsons, I guess, to an extent that are almost there just as contracts rather than players who are going to be moving the needle on the court or even in the locker room. I don't think that uh, you're getting a whole bunch of great advice from Chandler Parsons while he's just chilling there. Uh, but yeah, you need a little bit of adultness in the in the locker room. And like you're saying, Vince Carter, he is no doubt about it, he's an adult, but he, he's getting on the the far side of his career. He's not going to be around long, for much longer. Uh, so maybe his voice doesn't hold sway as much as it would even a couple of seasons ago. There's definitely got to be an upgrade in professionalism for the Hawks. And Drummond could be that guy. Uh, a Trey Young-Andre Drummond pairing makes sense. Uh, you got a defense guy. You got a roll guy. And he can facilitate the offense otherwise. Um, But that's all looking forward towards next season, if you ask me. This season for the Hawks, pretty much already done. So I don't know that you want to improve the team too much because right now you're looking at a nice draft pick.
1: That's true. Um, The Bulls, your Bulls guy, can you explain to me why their defense is still good while the offense is just a train wreck? Can you explain how Jim Boylan's still getting a good defensive effort from these guys?
0: It's a Jedi mind trick. It seems like a good defense. but it's not really that good of a defense. They are trapping and forcing turnovers and forcing uh, teams that aren't good passing teams to make bad passes and make bad decisions. That's the thing. Against bad offenses, the Bulls can look good because they can make you a little hectic and suddenly they're getting a steal and going the other way. Hopefully that's the best way the Bulls can score is in a transition game because in the half court, it's ugly. But you get against a team that has a little bit of know-how, a little bit of patience, and just basketball IQ, and the Bulls get shredded. It's like if you make two passes against the Bulls, you're probably going to get a wide-open dunk or a wide-open three from the corner, two of the most valuable spots in the game. Uh, But, you know, over the course of the season, you're not playing the great teams over every single night. So over the course of a season, it adds up to being a top-ten defense, but then you look on the other side of the ball and the offense is in the bottom five, you can see where the real the real results are coming from. The Bulls, uh, they had a lot of hype in the preseason. I bought into it. I thought that Thomas Sadaranski and Bad Young were going to revolutionize this team as veterans, and <laughs> not the case.
1: No. Um, what would you do with Zach Levine?
0: I haven't always been the biggest Zach Levine fan. Even what, coming to the season, he was getting um, a lot of buzz as a potential first-time All-Star. And you can see why people would say that. He's the only guy on the Bulls who's going to be able to put the ball on the ground and get to the hoop. To me, though, he is almost in the DeRozan zone, where with Toronto, they built DeRozan up. He became an all-star. He kept working on his game. He got a lot better, kept getting better, kept getting better. The team got close to getting over the hump in the Eastern Conference, but the biggest value that DeRozan ultimately brought to the Raptors was that he was good enough you could trade him for Kawhi Leonard. I guess with the Bulls, the hope is that Levine flattens out some of the holes of his game and just becomes good enough that another team convinces themselves, yeah, Zach Levine could be our number two scorer. He's not, to me, cut out to be the number one guy, but maybe he becomes good enough as a number two that you can turn him into a number one guy. That's the hope for me. But, uh, you know, if you would have asked me before the season, I would have said, you got a number one scorer right there in your locker room. So what do I know?
1: Did you expect this out of Memphis? this quickly?
0: Oh, certainly not. Um, To me, they are what we expected the Pelicans to be, and nobody Mm. would have guessed that coming into the season. They would have been pegged as one of the bottom five teams in the league, I do believe. But you see the way that they have rallied around the talents of John Morant. That's exactly what the Pelicans were hoping to do, that a rookie could come in, set the league on fire and the veterans around him, the other young players around him would just gel. That has happened for Memphis, and you know maybe it will happen for the Pelicans whenever Zion makes his return this week. Uh, but, I mean, I'm a big Jaron Jackson Jr. fan. I liked Ja yeah. coming into the season, but I still thought, these guys are in year one and two in the league. Their next best player is probably Jonas Valanciunas. That, to me, doesn't add up to a playoff team in the Western Conference, but the bottom of the Western Conference has been a little bit worse than expected. So the Grizzlies are able to get hot, win a bunch of games in a row, and now they're going to be in the playoffs with everybody rooting for them. I mean, the Spurs streak seems like it might be coming to an end. I imagine they'll probably figure out a way to edge themselves in there and get the Grizzlies out, but nobody wants that. We want to see Ja in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the Pelicans comp's a, a smart one. And I also think the Grizzlies are what the Hawks could have been if they had the competent veterans that the Grizzlies surrounded ja and Jaron with because they have Jay Crowder, they have Dylan Brooks, they have Jonas Valanciunas, they have Tyus Jones, they have Solomon Hill, they have Kyle Anderson. Like they have, these are not world beaters, but these are all competent basketball players that they can put in there next to, and even Brandon Clark um, next to these young guys. So it's just, they're always surrounding their young talent with smart veterans who can actually play. And it's paying dividends. I, I do think that they also kind of remind me of the that first year of Luke Walton's Lakers. Do you remember like kind of like they played at that crazy pace and with Lonzo and all the young guys? Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh, this is really fun and they're weirdly good on defense and this is a different Lakers and they're going to build the right way and they're just going to, they know they can't play in the half court yet with all these non-shooters, but what they can do is run the floor and beat you in the same way that D'Antoni would push and all that kind of stuff. I think the Grizzlies are playing the same way where I don't trust him in the half court enough. I still have questions because of John Miranda, just how he scores and how Jaron Jackson scores and just who their closers are and all that kind of stuff. But when they're in pace and this kind of goes back to the Pelicans, they were also another team that were supposed to play like this because We just didn't know what their late-game half-court setting would look like with a bunch of non-number ones, but Brandon Ingram has really come into his own on that front. Um, I don't know. I think the Grizzlies are a fun story, and I also agree with you. I would rather... They are much more interesting playing the Lakers in round one than uh, the Spurs-Lakers, where I think they'll both be sweeps, but at least Ja will have some some fun times uh, against LeBron.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. In my brain, I think... As well, yeah, if the Grizzlies get in and they're facing the Lakers, it's probably a sweep. But in my heart, I think, oh, Ja can win a game. Jaw can win game three in Memphis, you know. Maybe the half-court offense doesn't always look great, but when it's Ja and Jaron running pick and roll time and time again and Jaw's in a rhythm, I don't know. I've seen a couple of times this week where they're both scoring double digits down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Could that happen in a playoff game before LeBron's 100% locked in? Sure. Give me the Grizzlies.
1: Okay, there you go. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, the Grizzlies—they're beating the Lakers in a playoff game. Um, last thing I want to ask you about. Um, so I'm a big Pacers guy, big Pacers believer, big Victor Oladipo believer, and they're only I think three games out of the n- number two spot, which is all I need them to get to. Um, just avoid the Bucks as long as humanly possible. Victor Oladipo is coming back soon. Um, Malcolm Brogdon's been great. Sabonis has been awesome, but I'm a little worried about the knee stuff. Do you believe if Victor Oladipo comes back and is close to what he was a couple years ago that they have a shot of getting out of the East?
0: I have slept on the Pacers for the past three seasons, I would say, so I'm going to (laughs) be done doing that. Do they have a chance to come out of the East? Sure. They're one of the teams who has figured out a pretty simple formula that if you put at least a decent to good player in every single spot of your rotation, your team's going to be pretty good. They also have the amazing three T.J.'s, two holidays lineups. That's tough to stop when you're able to put those kind of names out there. But they are such a professional team in that win against the Sixers this week, there were two rebounds that just bounced basically on one end of the court. One was an offensive rebound. The other side of the court, defensive rebound. Both rebounds were sort of long, ended up at about the the free throw line. And the Pacers came down with both of them. And that is the difference to me between a Pacers team and a team like the Sixers, a team like the Clippers, a clean team like the Rockets, the Pacers are going to do the right thing every single time. That's the hallmark of a Nate McMillan team. So yeah, uh, the chemistry between Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon is palpable. I would imagine that Oladipo will have that kind of Sabonis considering their history together. It's just going to be a matter of how quickly does Victor Oladipo get back to speed. The good thing for him is that there is less pressure on him to be great than I think you would have guessed coming into the season. Brogdon has exceeded expectations. TJ Warren has fit in perfectly playing for a winning team the first time in his career. I like the look of the Pacers. I like the cohesiveness of the Pacers. I think that Oladipo can fit in if he just tries to fit in. If he doesn't come in and try to be Victor Oladipo all-star right away, gets his legs under him and figures out how the team fits together. I think that they could be a dangerous team come play out there.
1: There we go. I love to hear it. Um, what are you looking for the next couple of months? What are you looking what teams, players are you looking at down the stretch here? What are you fascinated by in the NBA for the next couple of months?
0: Well, I mean the Bulls are making a playoff push. We're we are we we about how <laughs> they've been bad so far. They've lost a whole bunch of games in a row. They haven't had a great twenty twenty, and it seems like Jim Boylan's sticking around. But uh, they're going to be making a playoff push. You you can't give up faith this easily. It's 2020. I'm trying to have a lot more positivity. So I want to see the Bulls do well. And I'd also like to see the Clippers really try hard for a couple of months. I want to see them ramping up for the playoffs and looking like the world beating team that we're all assuming they're going to be. We need to see it a little bit before we just expect them to flip the switch come playoff time.
1: All right. There you go. We can listen to you on the No Ducks podcast. Um, Is there anything else that you would uh, like to plug before we get out of here today?
0: Well, if anybody's going to be in Chicago and already bought tickets, come to our live show at Shuba's on February 15th. If you didn't buy tickets, sucks for you.
1: (laughs) Sold out already.
0: That's right. One day, baby.
1: One day. There you go. All right. Um, Well, this has been great, Trey. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, we will have to do this again soon.
0: Sounds good. Thanks, Chase.
1: All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Thank you uh, to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show. Thank you uh, to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, if you like today's episode, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and. I would very much appreciate it. Uh, you can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash chase Thomas writer um, for as little as $5 a month. It helps the show keep the lights on. So that would be a great help to me as well. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase. You could go to chase Thomas podcast.com, which has all of my stuff, all my episodes ever um, links to everything that you need. Um, and all of my writing that i uh, I'm doing, fairly often these days um on the nfl on nba on college football on pro wrestling i write about everything i write a lot um so go read me on that front so if you're not tired of listening to me you can also read me um so that's awesome but uh i think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode Uh, i hope you continue listening that would be great and uh i will talk to you all again very soon thanks guys